The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good to be in the house. Um, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible, if you've got it, to the most sublime book ever written. Does anybody know what that might be? Romans. Romans. We've spent a lot of time in Romans lately. We're going to turn to chapter 8. If you're visiting this morning, we are concluding a series on adoption. We've called it Adopted, and we've been looking at the implications of what it means to be the kids of the King. We started, oh, be six weeks ago now, Hillary started out looking at the implications just as an umbrella. What does this mean for our lives? Anodge in week two talked us through the prodigal son, and we saw that not just the, old, the younger son, but the older son needed the rescue of the father. We went into week three, we had Layla and Susan tag team us through hope and how we have an inheritance, we have a future with our adoption. Uh, In week four, Lewis talked us through holiness and the implications of being his children and how our holiness needs to be more than just an inner reality. It needs to be public exhibiting of that holiness. And last week, Hillary looked at assurance, how every fear is banished through our adoption. Every fear has no place because we are sons and daughters of Jesus. And so this morning, I'm bringing this to an end. And in a funny way, we can sort of piggyback off this into the next series. We're looking at the spirit of, the, of our adoption this morning, the spirit of adoption. And with this whole series, we've talked a lot about the starting process of, you know, Jesus justifies and he calls us his. We've even talked a bit about the end, about glorification. But what happens in between? What happens as we live our lives? How do we live up to the call of being kids of the King? That's what we'll explore this morning. So if you've got your Bible to Romans 8 or your smart device, whatever you're using, we're going to read from verse 12 through to 17. And if you don't have it, we've got it up on screen. All right, so it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Church, can we just take a moment to pray? Father, this morning we thank You for this amazing, amazing book of Romans. We thank you for this amazing concept of adoption, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, who we seem to, we want to explore this morning. Father, I pray you give us an open heaven in this place. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray you would speak through my mouth, Lord God. Lord, I need your anointing to deliver this word, God. I ask, Lord, that you would 
bring about something in us that uh, for today, but throughout this whole series, Lord, that we would leave changed, God, knowing we are beloved, knowing we are marked by majesty, knowing that you care, knowing that you have so loved your children. Father, this morning, I pray that we would just, we would just walk away with a new love and appreciation and desire, Lord, to please you, knowing how much you have given, how much you have done for us, how much your spirit longs for us to walk with you. So God, minister to us in this time, in your precious name. Amen. All right. So the spirit of adoption. This is a a fascinating sort of concept for me because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, He's probably the one part of the Godhead we struggle to kind of pin down. We sort of know Jesus is the Savior and He's calm and all the rest of it. We know about the Father's love, but the Spirit kind of throws us off kilter a little bit. Is He a force? Is He just, you know, uh, is, is it just all about power? I remember in Sunday school trying to describe the Holy Spirit as the employee of Jesus as the manager. I get where that comes from, but that's fraught with problems because the Holy Spirit is no junior partner in the Godhead. He's equal with the Father. He's equal with the Son. He is the Spirit of God. And so He is every bit as much God as Father and Son. Who is He? What is this this person, the Holy Spirit? We're going to come to that in a minute. We'll answer that question. But just before I do that, have a think about this next statement because this... I don't normally do this when I preach. I like to build up to an answer, but I want to give you something right away. I want to show my hand. Adoption for us is going to be the key to understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's a big concept. So just let that sit with you for a second. Adoption is the key. It's kind of the vehicle that that we understand His movement and His power by. We'll, We'll open that up and explore that. See, the Holy Spirit, we read, He is one that always points us to Jesus. At all times, the Holy Spirit, He glorifies the Son. That's His role. And in fact, uh, you read through Acts, every single time the Holy Spirit came down in power, immediately before that event, Jesus was being glorified. Jesus was being honoured in the Word, honoured in worship, honoured in people's lifestyles, honoured in holiness. It's a prerequisite to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And in every possible way, he's pointing us to Jesus. In fact, when we look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when we're looking at before Christ or after Christ, I don't mean in the time scale, I mean in terms of our salvation, before we come to Christ or after, the ministry of the Holy Spirit can be seen in the way the Father ministers to the lost son and his not lost son, if you like. Because to the prodigal son, he says to him, come, repent, come back to me. To the elder son, he's already there, but he is lost in his mind and his heart. And he's saying, will you come and be part of the intimate relationship I want to have with you? Will you come and be part of the work I want to do with you? And the Holy Spirit does that with us. Before we come to Jesus, we have a a window into what the, the Holy Spirit will do for us. The Holy Spirit... In John 16, Jesus is talking about he's going to be a helper. He's going to do this. But he says something very interesting in verse 9. He says that the world is not going to have that. The relationship the Holy Spirit has with the world. In other words, those outside of the church, he will convict them of sin. He will speak righteousness and judgment. He, in other words, he's wooing us to Jesus. But when it comes to after the point we have met Jesus, it's a different wooing. 
Instead of convicting of sin, it is now more about walking alongside us, being our advocate, being our helper. The word there is paraclete, and it's a huge word, but it's all of those things. Helper, comforter, counselor. He's the one that walks alongside us. But whether we're talking before the cross or after the cross, he's pointing us to Christ. That's his role. Jesus went on to say that uh, if I don't go, the Spirit can't come. And it's for your benefit that the Spirit comes. Because not only we've got somebody walking alongside us, he's in us. He's in us who believe. Now, I'm going to say some things this morning, and some of you might be scratching your heads. You're thinking, spirit of adoption. Some of you are going to think, Andrew, when are you going to get to the gifts? When are you going to get to power? When are you going to get to miracles? When are you going to get to healing? And you'll probably think somewhere through the sermon, Andrew, have you become a cessationalist? Have you become some fundamental Baptist or something? You don't believe in this anymore? No. Rest assured, that's not where we're going. Rest assured, you're in a Pentecostal church. You're among Pentecostal believers. We believe in the moving of the Spirit. We believe in the gifts. We believe in the power. Part of the problem has been, I think, there's been excess over the years and we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We want God to move. We want to see these things happen. But, but, there's an important lesson we have here. We can't pursue commotion over communion. We sometimes get so caught up chasing the gifts, chasing the power that we forget that his first aim is to drive us to Jesus. His first aim is to draw us into intimate relationship with God. Pursuing the ecstatic church, and I've been there, pursuing the ecstatic can lead us almost to the point of idolatry. And almost to the point of addiction, it's like you've got a sign this big, you want to sign this big next time. You want a miracle this big. And again, I'm not against the signs, I'm not against the wonders. But they need to, the, the whole point of them is they're driving us to Him. They're leading us to Jesus. Church, when we pursue intimacy, we won't be disappointed. When we pursue walking with God, He will fulfill in a way the signs and wonders cannot. So don't, don't get the wrong end of the stick here. All for the gifts, all for power. But they fall in line with the purpose of the Holy Spirit. They fall in line with Him leading us to the heart of God. They don't conflict. So getting that out there, let's now dive in. The spirit of adoption, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us who are adopted? The role of the Holy Spirit I see is threefold. There are three sort of works, three principal things that the Holy Spirit does for us who are saved, who are adopted. And again, can only be understood through adoption. First is this, the Holy Spirit gives us an awareness of the grace of Christ. Sorry, my TV's just gone down up here. He gives us an awareness of Jesus's mercy and grace. It only comes by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus has died for us and we have the ability to be justified, but Jesus' death won't mean anything to us unless we respond in faith. Hebrews tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, Romans tells us without the Spirit, it's impossible to have faith. The Holy Spirit does something in our hearts that allows us to respond in the first place. He activates faith in our heart, if you like. We need to respond to Jesus in faith, but it won't happen without the Holy Spirit. It won't happen without Him doing a work in our hearts. He has to do a work of grace before we can respond. He makes us aware. He makes us aware that there's a better way. We don't have to be walking around trying to win our merit points to God. 
Grace is here. Grace is here. He makes faith possible. But I want to tell you something. The grace of God that the Holy Spirit makes us aware for, it's not just at the point of getting saved. It's every day of our lives. He gives, he gives us the ability to know the grace of God every single day. How? Through assurance. He not only has got to the point of saying, hey, this is the grace of Jesus. He assures us. Now, I don't know about you. And we talked about assurance last week. I don't know about, about you. I don't need assurance that much when things are going well. I don't need assurance in my job if I'm nailing everything. I don't need assurance in my home if things are, are kosher, right? We need assurance when things are going bad, when the world around us is going berserk. You know, when you fail to get that thing on time, when you are having an argument with your spouse, when you are, whatever it might be, whatever the situation is in front of you, then you need assurance, and in the midst of our fears and our doubts, in the zigs and zags of life, when things are hard, then the Spirit comes and tells us inside. What does verse 16 say? He says, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's like the world around us is saying that we're failures. It's like the enemy is saying, do you know, a child of God wouldn't do that. A Christian wouldn't do it. Andrew, you, 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 really, you really call yourself a Christian? Come on, come on. The Holy Spirit never says that. He'll say, yeah, you know, that probably wasn't great, but you haven't lost anything. You're still my child. You're still a child of God. Come on, let's walk. Let's go. It's like when you're a parent and you've got, if you had kids who've learned to walk, I mean, it's, it's the most awesome thing. But if they drop two, three, four steps, you're not going to tell them they're stupid. You're going to say, come on, let's get up. Let's keep going. You've done two steps. Great. Let's do four. Let's do six. Let's do eight. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He assures us when things go wrong. He assures us when our fears are crippling, when our doubts are just consuming us, He's there. He's there to assure us that we are children of God. So firstly, this awareness of grace, this awareness of the mercy of God. But the Holy Spirit doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit also allows us to completely trust in Father God. He allows us to come to the point where we see His love and we throw our lives on the altar. We see the love of God through adoption, through the Spirit. I mean, this is what we've been talking about all series, isn't it? This love of the Father, this fathering heart of God to bring us into His family. Notice again in verse 15 and 16, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. It was brought about by the Spirit and He opens our eyes to this love. He opens our heart to this love. Now, that bit I just read there, why does Paul start saying the Spirit does, uh, d does, not, um, does not make us slaves again? Why does he start off like that? I mean, we're justified, we're adopted, we should be just motoring down the road, right? We should be just nailing this. I think Paul knows something. As human beings, our tendency is to fall back into human patterns. Our tendency is to fall back into our own righteousness, our own ways of getting to God. Because when things go wrong, when things aren't working out, you think, this, blow this Christianity. I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. And he's saying you were set free from that. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom, he writes. There is freedom, not slavery. It's in the Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit, when things are going wrong, he lifts our gaze to the Father. Because your circumstances change, but one thing doesn't change, and that is the love of the Father. And he causes us to say, you know what? I know it's not looking so great here, but look up. God's not left you. Look up. God is walking with you. Look up. God is on your side. Your bank balance may not look so great. God's on your side. Job's not fantastic. God's on your side. Family are arguing. God's on your side. God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. And the Holy Spirit in those moments is saying, no, no, look to me, look to me. That's what you need to look at. Not down here. Look to him. He will guide you through. Lift your gaze. We lift our eyes and see where our help comes from. Abba Father. We become so secure by the Spirit in this strong love of God then. It's like, again, to use an analogy with kids and, and so forth, you, you know they, they have this utter trust in you. Anytime I've gone to the beach or to a pool, you know, the older two don't do this so much, but Bella still does it. She clings tight to me. She knows I'm not going to drop her. She knows I'm not going to just dunk her under. She knows she's safe. And that's what we're talking about. That's the picture. When we see Abba, what's Abba? What's Abba Father? It's Dad. He's saying, Dad, like a toddler, like a child with its complete trust, Dad, you've got my life in your hands, Dad. I don't like the waves, but I'll walk with you because you're carrying me. I don't like the fire, but you're holding my hand. That's the trust we're talking about. That's the trust. How is your trust? How is your heart with him at the moment? Are the zigs and zags of life taking your eyes off him? Have we thought we need to make it on our own and forgotten about his grace, his spirit leading us? Come on, church, we're adopted. This is a resource for us. Let's use it. Let's press into the Father. So complete trust in the Father is the, uh, the, the next thing that spirit does, but it goes on. It goes on. And this is where our responsibility comes in. He also compels us to live as the children of God. The Holy Spirit's kind of third aim, if you like, is to propel us to live as royal children. We are sons and daughters of the King. He's talking about sanctification. Remember I said at the beginning, there's, there's the starting point with Jesus when we're called righteous. There's the end point when we'll see him face to face. This is the in-between. This is the getting us right day to day. This is getting us more and more like Christ. Notice in verse 17, it says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. We're heirs with God, co-heirs with Christ. And the whole implication there, the implication is that as we walk with him, we're becoming more and more like him. Only possible by the Holy Spirit inside us. Only possible that way. J.I. Packer, who we've quoted plenty in this series, I've got a quote for you that is just awesome in this, this section here. The Holy Spirit sanctifies. Here's how. He impels us to act up to our position as royal children. And notice, notice how this works. By manifesting the family likeness, by furthering the family welfare and by maintaining the family honour. Ma manifesting family likeness, that's conforming to Christ and his image. Furthering family welfare, that's loving the brethren and maintaining the family honour, seeking after the glory of God. 
He impels us to act as our position as royal children. I remember hearing a sermon years ago. They were talking about before Queen Elizabeth was queen, she was a young lady and her and her sister, Margaret, I think it is, um, they were walking through England one day and he said there was a dignity about them that was different to everybody else. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. There should be a dignity in our lives that says we're marching to the beat of a different drummer. And it's increasingly, let's just... Remember that key word, God is taking us on a journey through this. This is not something that we get straight away. That's the difference with sanctification. It takes time. It takes the Spirit working on us. It takes communion with God to see that change happen over time. But this is what we're aiming for. So what does he mean, conforming to Christ? In other words, not conforming to the patterns of this world. But in everything that we're doing, we are reflecting Jesus. There's a great verse in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, which many of you know. We are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. That's sanctification language, right? That's, or your translation might say glory to glory. It's a step up, 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 up. We're, We're getting, hopefully as we get older, we're growing in holiness. We're growing more in his image. But notice, it comes from the Lord. This is Dutch to you if you haven't got the Holy Spirit. Seriously, we cannot understand this without Jesus and without the Spirit in our hearts. This is, a, this is adoption. This is the heart of what God wants for us. We're conforming to Jesus and His image to the point where I would love this. Somebody meets us and think, you know what? I feel like I've just met Jesus in that person. I feel like I've just encountered God in that person. Wouldn't you love that if they said that about you? I'd, I'd love that. Not for my sake, but that I'm pointing to Him that I'm reflecting him. Other translations say we reflect Jesus as in a mirror. We're mirrors for the divine, only possible through the Spirit. And if we're conforming to Christ, some other things happen too. We start to love others. We start to love those around us. Now, I think that's everybody, but in particular, the emphasis is the church, loving the brethren. 1 John says that we, this is, this is scary, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. How's your love for your brethren this morning, church? Is it too cold to come to church? If you guys know you're here, so that's great. But how is it? Are we looking for excuses not to be generous? Are we looking for reasons why we can't help get involved in each other's pray? Whatever it might be, how are we loving one another? John says that's a sign. That's a sign for us. That speaks to me. Well, I've got work to do. And beyond the church, Paul writes earlier in Romans, he says that it is kindness that leads people to the repentance before the cross. It is kindness. It's us showing the love of God practically that actually gives credibility to the message. It lets them see, hey, there's something different about you. Why? Why? Loving others. And in being transformed in his image, we are all about his glory. Like I said at the start, the Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. Well, guess what? So do we. As we grow more Christ-like, it starts to become less of me and more of him. I must decrease so that he must increase. I think of it like a floodlight ministry, if you like. You guys are thinking, what is a floodlight ministry? I don't suppose you've ever been out of a night and you've gone to some historic site or maybe a building in the city. Maybe you've been to a football match or something and you've looked up and it's all illuminated. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever stood there and think, you know what? You know what, Jim? That floodlight's a beauty. You see that Lux? It's like 10,000 Lux or something. Now, now listen, the old geek in here might think that way and, and, and respect if you do. But the point of the floodlight is not to draw attention to itself. It puts attention on something else. At ANZ Stadium there, it's putting attention on the football match. At that cathedral, I think that's in Spain. Um, it's putting attention on that. It's not drawing it to, you, you don't care about the lights. You're caring about what it's lighting up. Do you see what I'm saying here? As we conform to the image of his son, we want to reflect his son in every possible way. We want to draw attention to Jesus. We want to be the ones that say, hey, he's the one who's made a difference in my life. Uh, There's no self-help here. This is the Holy Spirit in me doing this. And with time, we learn to love the things that Jesus loves and we despise the things that he hates. How's your love this morning, church? Are you loving compassion and care? Are you hating on injustice in the world, poverty? Are you hating on sin? Are you hating on the things that grieve the heart of God? Because that's a sign for us. If we've got an appetite for those things, we need to have a self-check. We need to look at our own heart. There's a verse in Psalm 40 which has haunted me for years and it still haunts me to this day. It's just tucked away in there. Many of you will know it. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and he heard my cry. He said, if you're a YouTube fan, you'll definitely know this. Um, he set my feet upon a rock. Uh, and then it says, he has put a new song in my mouth. Listen to this. Many will see and will fear and will trust in the Lord. Did you catch that? When God puts something in our heart, and it's not just a physical song. It is the life that God has put within us. When people see, they will fear and trust in the Lord. That haunts me because I am so sure my life doesn't do that to the extent that God would like. And if we're all honest, I'm sure that we're in the same boat. Because what do we hear about when we hear about Christians? Oh, I can't believe they did that. Aren't they supposed to be godly? Isn't that, what, isn't that what the world does? Like the world does that. Hypocritically, they got a point though, because of the claims we make about Jesus, because of who we serve. But I want to tell you, church, we can walk a different way because of the Holy Spirit. We can walk a different way because we're the King's kids. He has adopted us. He's given us His Spirit. See, church, when the king's kids start living like the king's kids are supposed to, it becomes magnetic. The church is no longer a byword. The church is no longer just a bunch of hypocrites. No, 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 no. They see there's something different about that mob. You know, stock market is crashing. Uh, is the world going to go to war? My family's in a mess. You know, all sorts of things. We've still got the same circumstances, right? That hasn't changed. But our eyes have been trained to look up. Because the Holy Spirit causes us to know we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit causes us to say, you know what? I know life's tough, but I promise you there's an eternity waiting for you. I promise you if you walk with me, you'll know fellowship with the Father. I promise you. That's what he says to us. And so church, as we do that, not only are we pleasing God, we're showing the world what Christianity can look like. We're showing the world what a changed life can be. See church, the orphaned, are looking for a father in this world. 
And when they see that the adopted have had such a change, when they see the Spirit of God doing such a work in us, they start to cry out for that. So as we draw this to a close, um, I just want to spend some time in prayer. I just want to open, and you know what? Let's just open up to the Holy Spirit this morning. Because as I, as I have prepared for this, as I've read for this, I know my heart is probably not in the place God wants it. If we're really honest, I'd say most of us are in that category. How am I reflecting Him? Am I reflecting Him? Am I loving others? Am I always seeking His glory? In fact, let's go further back than that. Am I trusting the Father? Life has just taken me, life, life, life. And am I, am I trusting in my own things and not in where God wants me? In fact, for some of you, it might even be a question of assurance. Does He really love me? Has He really given it for me? Is God that caring? Church, I wanna say to all of you, the Holy Spirit can meet you today today at your point of need. I don't care what it is that you're going through. It's not too big for God. I don't care what it is you're facing, what doubt might be in your mind. God has conquered that and He wants to conquer it in your life this morning. So church, we're gonna worship and I just invite you to just lay it at His feet again this morning. What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's causing you to not trust Him fully? What is it that's not causing you to accept His love in the fullness that He wants to give it? Lay it at the cross this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your heart. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.